0: All right. Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Wednesday morning, September 7th. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend and back fully in the swing and so excited to be back here for Romans Rewind. And so we have been tracking through the book of Romans, running parallel to our sermon series on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks through the, the book of the same name, the book to the Christians in Rome that Paul wrote, 57, 58 AD thereabouts. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be in Romans 12, which begins the quote-unquote practical section of the book and, and sort of the implications for how to live in light of everything Paul said in the previous 11 chapters. But we have some unfinished business to attend to before we get there. We want to tie up Romans 9 through 11, specifically related to the issue of how the church relates to Israel. And even more specifically, um, how the church relates to the modern nation state of Israel and the land. And the reason that this question is pressed forward to us is that Paul has been talking all in Romans 11 about the future of ethnic Israel and what is going to happen and let's read that passage, and let's talk about some things. So Paul says in Romans eleven twenty five, 25, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy." For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. And if we want to give sort of a, a summary statement, okay, of, of what Paul has said in Romans 9 through 11, if that's possible, it's simply this, God just because the bulk of ethnic Israel has fallen away and has rejected their own Messiah does not mean that God is done with his people, in fact, he is going to bring a rem not just a remnant, he brings a remnant in every generation of, of Christian Jews, but he, there are a time when there's going to be a massive influx of ethnic Jews into the church through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I'm gonna be working from some notes that taken from a piece that John Piper um, has done on this issue called Israel, Palestine, and the Middle East. And let me sort of give you his summary statement of of Romans 11. He says this, If God chose the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for himself, and set them apart and and made to them covenant promises, then someday, after this present time of enmity and hardening are over, their descendants are going to return to God through Jesus Christ and become God's set-apart holy people. Unbelief and ungodliness will be banished from Jacob forever. And that's what we've been saying. That's what we think is going to happen. Not think, this is what we know is going to happen because the word of God has said it to be so. Now, the key verse, I think, in all of this that we have to wrestle through is verse 28. And let me read that again. As regards the gospel, they, meaning the ethnic Jews, are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So so there it is in a nutshell. They are, on one hand, um, beloved because of the covenant God made with Abraham to bless their descendants, to give them the land, to restore the world through the seed of Abraham. On the other hand, at this present time, that's that's they're disobedient, they are cut off, they are enemies of the gospel, they are enemies of God. And we are asking, in light of that, what should be our posture, not just towards ethnic Jews personally, all right? right, We wanna be praying for them, loving them, serving them, holding the gospel out to them, holding Jesus out to them. But what does it mean for the modern day nation of Israel? Um, specifically, the promised land, the holy land, because let's be honest, probably all Middle East conflict and and by extension, then much of world conflict and terrorism can be traced back to these ancient disputes over the divine right of the land. And the challenge here is to, to know how to think biblically about this. And so Piper, in his article I just mentioned, it's actually a sermon, lays out seven principles that I think are really helpful in helping us to understand and organize our thoughts. And as I go through them, um, please note, we, this is going to be a multi-parter, right? We have, we have the next three days to sort of comb through some of this. So we'll get as far as we can and, um, and then pick it back up Thursday. And Friday, and so so here are the seven statements. I'm going to read them as he has articulated them, and and I'll and I'll kind of modify, adapt some things here and there. But but essentially, um, this is a really helpful outline that that Pastor John provides. Number one, he says this: God chose Israel from all the peoples of the world to be His own possession, and we're not going to spend much time there because we see this all over the Old Testament. Okay. Just as an example, Deuteronomy 7, 6, the Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. That that's a consistent theme we see throughout the Old Testament. All of mankind, all of humanity is separated from God, disobedient, objects of wrath, but God chose Israel, not because she was the best, the greatest, the prettiest, but because of out of his sheer grace, he chose Abraham to build a nation and a people to bring forth the Messiah and ultimately uh, the salvation to the world. So that's number one. But God started with the people of Israel. Number two, the land was part of the inheritance he promised to Abraham and his descendants forever. So not only did God make a covenant with Abraham, but God made certain covenant promises. And let me read from a couple of of passages here. First of all, Genesis 15, 18. On that day, this is the day God made the covenant with Abraham. On that day, the Lord made a covenant, covenant with Abram saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. All right, so there's there, there, there's a promise, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do it through your um, living and occupying the promised land. Genesis 17, 7-8 says this, God says to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, we might be tempted to stop right there and say, well, Pastor Paul, that seems very simple. Um, God made a covenant with Abraham, with Israel. He promised them the land, and so the land is theirs. The modern-day nation-state of Israel um, has the full claim on this land, um, whatever they need to do to to get it is 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 fine or necessary because of these promises. And John Piper just says something really interesting. He said, "This is not an issue that will be reduced to sound bites." And I think that's true because it's obviously much more complex than that. But I do think there's some biblical principles that come into play. So here we're up to to point number three. Jesus Christ has come into the world as the Jewish Messiah and his own people rejected him and broke their covenant with God. Now let's think about that for a second. What does all this mean in light of the fact that Israel was disobedient and rejected their own Messiah? Here, here's, a, here's a verse from Matthew 16, 16 through 17. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ, meaning the Jewish Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Um, But as we know, there was only a remnant of ethnic Jews that believed in their own Messiah. But Israel as a whole rejected him. They rejected the... The coming Messiah, and and we need to understand something, this amounts to the most severe breach of the covenant that Israel could ever commit. Remember, the covenant to Abraham was all building towards the coming of the Messiah. And for Israel to reject their Messiah was to see a break in the covenant, all right? So listen to Matthew 21. 43. Jesus makes this point over and over okay, in, in the Gospels. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Matthew 8. After seeing the faith of a Gentile centurion and the unbelief of Israel, many Gentiles will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Israel has broken their covenant. Now, what we want to try to understand is how does God speak of this covenant breaking um, in the Old Testament, and what what does it mean for Israel going forward, okay? Point number four, the promises made to Abraham, including the promise of the land, will be inherited as an everlasting gift only by true spiritual Israel, not disobedient, unbelieving Israel. That's a really crucial point. You see, God does not promise, okay, while there is covenant-breaking anything to people, right? So God has made an everlasting covenant, with the world through Jesus Christ. But for that covenant to be actualized, there has to be faith, there has to be repentance. And what we see over and over in the Old Testament is that when Israel broke their covenant with God, they forfeited the covenantal blessings in that time and season. That's Paul's whole point, right? In Romans nine, just because you were a Jew doesn't give you a rightful claim to the promises made to covenant keeping Israel in the Old Testament you forfeit them. This is why we see for example um, the banishment from exile, I mean banishment into exile into Babylon for the people of God. They forfeited their right to the land because they were breaking their covenant with God. It was only as God as a remnant cried out to God and repented before God that God restored them into The promised land. So listen to Deuteronomy 28, 63 throughout, I'm sorry, let's see. And the Lord, uh, Oh, here we go. And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And so we see this principle over and over and over again. Um, that Israel forfeits their covenant promises when they break the covenant, when they turn away from God. So what does this mean for the present? Okay, point number five, and here's sort of the money line. Therefore, the secular state of Israel today may not claim a present divine right to the land, but they and we should seek a peaceful settlement not based on present divine rights, but on international principles of justice, mercy, And practical feasibility. And so here's what Piper's saying, and and I agree with him. It may very well be that Israel has an historical claim upon the land. I think they can make as good a claim for that as anybody. Um, There's other people making historical claims. But Israel is disobedient. They have been cut off from their Messiah. They have not been guaranteed any of the covenantal blessings apart from Christ which means that I believe, as Christians, we don't give blanket approval and sanction to anything the nation-state of Israel does. Now, I'm a big supporter of the nation-state of Israel in terms of being a beacon of democracy and of hope and of stability um, in that region. I think there's a a historical claim to the land. I don't think they should be molested or terrorized, Um, but that's different than saying anything they do Goes. And we should, as Americans, give blanket approval to anything, no matter even if it violates other biblical commands like loving neighbor or seeking peace and justice and mercy. Remember, you have more in common with a Palestinian Christian than you do an Orthodox Jew. And so this means that the way to work through these issues geopolitically are very complex, right? But what I think is an important, the most important principle here is, is that Israel, ethnic Israel, does not have a claim upon the land presently apart from covenant keeping and trusting in their own Messiah. So, saying that, and we're a little long today, but this is bonus footage, okay? Point number six. By faith in Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah... Gentiles become heirs of the promise of Abraham, including the promise of the land. So here's what Piper's saying. And I think, again, this is right. The land will be given one day to covenant-keeping Israel. Well, who is covenant-keeping Israel? It's going to be all ethnic Jews who trust in Christ, right? And we as spiritual Israel... The true sons of Abraham, the true Israel, as Paul says in Galatians 6, will inherit that with them. But being reminded, okay, that the ultimate goal is not merely that piece of land. Remember, the, the land was simply to be a staging ground to um to reach and bless the world. Okay. And 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 when we understand this, we understand we're talking. Something far above simply a piece of dirt in Palestine. Okay, when true covenant-keeping Israel is brought into the church of Jew- Gentile believing Christians, we inherit the land along with them, but not just the land, right? The whole world. Okay, and Paul reminds us of this. Let me let me let me find the find the passage here. Um, 1 Corinthians three twenty-one to twenty-three. All things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Okay, We will inherit the earth as God's people in the new heavens and the new earth, including the land. When will this happen? We think it will happen at the second coming of Christ, when this massive influx of Jews comes in. And God says, it's not just this piece of land that belongs to the people of God, it's the whole world. Now, let me just say here, pause this before we leave. Um, I said a lot there. I said a lot of things that may be new to you. I said a lot of things that you may not understand or agree or see in the same way, and that's okay, right? The purpose of these times is to get us back to the word of God. But what I, the, the main category I wanna introduce you you make sure we we grab a hold of this morning is that there are no covenantal blessings for the people of God apart from Christ and that's true personally it's true corporately nationally and with the church now we're going to pick this up again tomorrow because obviously there is much 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 more to say and we're going to try to say a little bit of it then ultimately all of these things Find their ultimate purpose, hope, and meaning in Jesus Christ. And he's the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. It's all about him. Let's never make the land or the nation state of Israel or how we understand prophetic things about the end times, or the second coming, independent of Jesus. Jesus is the hero of this story. Everything only makes sense and relates to Jesus, in Jesus, for Jesus, by him and through him and to him. All right, thanks for bearing with us. That little extra five minutes today, we'll be back tomorrow, let me pray. Lord, we need your help, we need it desperately. And so give us a heart of faith, give us a heart of wisdom, and Lord, um, we want to be covenant-keeping people, and thank you that you've reached into our lives through Jesus Christ and made an eternal covenant for us through him. Lord, we wanna be faithful to that and walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.